This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to ST Sports Talk, a sports podcast series by The Straits Times where we tackle major sports talking points every month. I'm your host, ST Sports Correspondent Sazali Abdulaziz. And I'm Rohit Bridgenot. On this episode, we are delighted to have with us double Tokyo Paralympic champion swimmer Yip Pin Siu and her coach, Mark Che, to chat with us about her campaign, the growth of parasport in Singapore, and equality in financial rewards. So hello, Pin Siu and Mark. Uh, congratulations on the success and thank you for taking the time to chat with us. Hi, Sas. Thank you very, very much. Yes, yes. Good afternoon, everybody. It's a pleasure. Uh, Binsu, uh, let's start with you know how the sleep was after winning that 50-meter backstroke goal. Uh, could you even sleep at all? Um, I think I was just telling Mark that like I can finally breathe now, but uh, and then have a good night's sleep because the past few nights have been uh, like, like I've been sleeping well the past few nights, but the night before was a bit tougher. So last night it was um to this point of exhaustion where it's just really really hard to fall asleep. Like I wasn't extra excited or anything so I think I fell asleep at almost um two o'clock but I really slept in today and I woke up at uh, like I got out of my room at 11. <laughs> right, that, that's a fine that's a fine reward man for, for winning gold. Yes. <laughs> yes. So so you know every every win every victory every race is different because uh, and every Paralympics is different because you're a different person you're a different athlete and the challenges keep changing over time. So in what way were these two gold medals special to you? Mm, this cycle uh, in Tokyo has been a very strange cycle, I would say. So Mark, myself and the team, we really had to do a lot of adaptations. We couldn't really stick to our usual way of um, going on training camps, competitions and uh, improving faster so we really had to adapt and use many different um, tests, methods, time trials in Singapore to, to try and still get the momentum going. So um, five, this is a five-year cycle. It seems like it's a really long time but honestly time really really has just flown by. Mm. Um, how did you feel before arriving in Tokyo uh, and in the, I guess in the lead up to each race um, you know, did you feel like, you know, oh, you know, I, I, you feel like you were in peak form, peak, you know, as as a good a physical condition you could be mentally as well, or you know, like you said, you know, it, it has been a very challenging uh, past two years. Um, what 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 was your where was your hit space like? Um, it has been a very challenging two years, and honestly, coming in like, Mark has seen everything. I wasn't. I was confident in, in the sense that I knew that we'd done everything that we could. Um, so I was as ready as I felt. But at the same time, I also I would also tell him, if only we had one more month, if only we had more time. And I'm sure at least half of the people here feel this way. The other half they're probably raring to go. Yeah. So coming in, I was um we we, we had a local training camp. And then I went home for a couple of days, three to four days. But uh, on the days where I was home, I was very uh, nervous, <laughs> a bit anxious, uh, pre-trip anxiety after not having traveled for so long. Packing my luggage felt weird. <laughs> yeah, and uh, 
Mark, just feel free to chime in anytime, and you you really experienced the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, this for Mark as well because you know you you you, you were with her throughout that that lead up um uh, towards Tokyo. Uh, how was it like you know wearing your coach's hat? You know how how was it like um you know from your perspective? Yeah, you know I I think it it was extremely challenging. I think the the I I spoke to like you know when I first started with with I spoke to the different different coaches as well as the sports and science uh, team at S S S I as well as SDSC and. And really, the the factors that led to success in 2016, you know, you can take those plans and like just throw it out the window, you know, because we didn't have the 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 meets, we didn't have the training camps that that really lead to success for for an athlete like Ping Xiu. So we we really went back to the drawing board. COVID 19, especially during the the circuit breaker, right? Circuit breaker one that, that we all remember, we we were on constant Zoom calls, you know, ensuring that you know she she's keeping up with with her exercises. We brought in machines. <laughs> Make sure that she's doing the exercises. We talked to her. Uh, we had like weekly like fireside chats as well to talk about you know um, you know how how we're going to tackle this as we as as we go into phase two or phase three. Um, and and thankfully she came 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 through through circuit breaker okay fine. Uh, she didn't lose a lot of me- uh, muscle mass. Her 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 cardiovascular system and aerobic capacity was still there. Oh, kind of all right, but it was, it was it was a good starting point, <laughs> you know. And then leading up to to the campaign in twenty twenty one, um, we didn't we didn't have opportunity to race at an international level, right? And and for coaches, we take every one of these competitions maybe every month, right, as a pit stop, as a stop check to see where we are, where where the deficits are. We break down the different races from the first twenty five to the last twenty five. Understanding how we can get her that much faster, that much sharper for for the for the twenty twenty one Paralympic Games, we didn't have any of that, um, and and of course we also at, at these major meets like the World Championships, we 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 take stock of who the competition is. So this time, especially yesterday, we had this this young Japanese girl, you know, and she's she's fast. You know, we saw her in the first fifty in the hundred, and and we have no idea what she's gonna do in the fifty, right? But no, we have to just trust what we have done, and 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 and, and thank goodness that we have the great support from SSI as well as SDSC to give us those opportunities to to do what we can within the confines of of the restrictions and regulations in Singapore to get uh, our our FE, our champion Pinsu to the best uh, that she could do in in Tokyo. All that makes the wins even more remarkable. Pinsu, can you talk us through uh, a little bit? Through your your swims and how you felt uh, when you touched uh, the wall in each race or in each final, knowing you had won. Uh, Mark mentioned, you know, the Japanese girl was was you know at the back of your yeah. mind. Uh, okay, so so I, I I actually do want to continue a bit with what Mark said uh, earlier on. Um, it's really like when he mentioned. Okay, I wasn't even thinking of like circuit breaker because that felt like such a long time ago. But when he really put it into perspective and. We've been working hard since, uh, like way before that. It really just felt like there hasn't been any breaks at all for this entire five years. So normally, sometimes after major games, I take a one two weeks break. But this entire time, there hasn't been any major games. So pretty much no breaks at all. So like it's really been the past five years of working really, really, really hard to get to where we are today. And um. Circuit breaker, I remember everybody was so concerned at that point on time. Every single day, there would be people asking me, 
Hi, are you okay? How are you feeling? What are you doing today? And uh, and like I was still motivated because I knew that there wasn't a choice. Everybody had to go through a circuit breaker. Like we had to do this together as a country and everybody really had to play their part in this. So there was no exception. So we did whatever we could to, to try to maintain my fitness. And then after that, the months later, it was uh, a bit demoralizing because it took a bit longer to get back to where I was. But I think the team, myself, Ma, we never, we, we always had uh, the goal that is to go to the Paralympics to do well there. So uh, in, in some way, I was always motivated as well. Yeah, so uh, to talk you through the race, uh, yesterday's 50 meter was nerve-wracking. <laughs> uh, I have full confidence, I, I okay, PX. <laughs> I had a call with Mark um, before I got off the bus, right as I was getting off the bus, and then I was like telling him uh, all my concerns, and he, uh, he really had full confidence. I don't know where that confidence comes from, but he had it. <laughs> and uh, like, if, if I were to talk you through the race, um, Sometimes when I dip my head a bit further into the water because of my backstroke um, technique, I can see what's going on on the sides. So for the 100 meters, I couldn't see her at all. So last week, I didn't see her. But for 50 meters, she was right there. And uh, I remember maybe at the 15 meter mark, she was ahead of me. But uh, I knew that, I, I think these games, my experience has really, really helped me a lot. Um, the experience of... Uh, swimming with people faster than me. And I, I remember one time in 2013, I was in the World Championships. I swam with somebody a bit faster than me in my class. And at the last five meters, like somehow mentally, I couldn't hold it anymore. So it was really reminding myself this time round to also hold it even when I see people faster than me to really just hold it in, hold it there. 50 meters is very, seemingly very short. Felt like the longest time. <laughs> but uh. Yeah, so at 15 meters, I saw her and I knew that I needed to increase my strong rates. I needed to go faster and to be more efficient. And then the second time when I when I saw her, she was still faster than me. So I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I need to go even faster. Then I think in the last 15, when I like popped down again, then I was like, uh, okay, okay, I got this. I need to go it. I'm just like really touching the, the end and then when I touched the wall and I saw, I was, I was overjoyed, yeah. Now, if you like what you're hearing so far, do subscribe to ST Sports Talk on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Podcasts. Like us and give us a rating. So, so one of the things you and I have actually talked about this uh, a couple of weeks ago is, you know, <clears throat> why the Paralympics are important. Right, I mean, and you've been to four now. Why the Paralympics are important, and why people should watch them? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to ask you that again. Big question. Maybe you I should know. ask. Maybe you should ask Mark that because from somebody who's not had any experience at the Paralympics to taking a para swimmer a couple of years back, and then now, so maybe as somebody who is a convert, he should answer this first. Okay, okay, sure. Yeah, Mark, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, PX. Um, <laughs> you know, I I think I, I this this feeling is not only just shared by me, right? But by most people who have been following the Paralympic scene uh, through this through, through Tokyo 2021, where we are all very inspired by by what 
what these athletes have shown. And really the, the games like the Olympics, you know, faster, stronger, higher, together, you know, those those values and the Olympic model goes together with the para Paralympics. Let's not forget that the Paralympics are the parallel Olympics, right? It's not paraplegic, you know. They're supposed to go together in tandem, giving these athletes an opportunity, a platform to showcase to the world what they're capable of doing. It's about inclusiveness even more so than what the Olympics tries to do to, to universality. And, and, you know, through this experience, and I'm very privileged to have this experience working with PX. Um, you know, I, I've, I've seen this, I've been given a front row seat to experience this and, and I'm very happy to, 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 to be a convert, so to speak. So please PX, <laughs> continue what I, I've missed out. Yeah, um, being here, it's a, I think it really reminds me again that, um, People may look different, things may seem different, but after all, we're not so different, you know, when you chase for excellence, when you uh, when you care for yourself, you care for your mind, you care for your body, um, in the pursuit of excellence, at the end of the day, we're not so different. And I think it's really a show of um, what can be done if you set your mind to it. I think one of the things you had told me is that people... Uh, you know, they don't understand something unless they see it. And that's why one of the great things about watching the Paralympics is you only if you see it, do you learn to also look beyond disability to see what the athletes do. Yeah, yeah. And yeah exactly. They, they think that in the Paralympics, it's not so competitive. It's just um, participatory and things like that. But if you really see it, you see that, you see the emotions, you see the hard work that people put in. And really at the end of the day, People just want to, they're chasing for improvement. They're chasing to be better than, than they were a year ago or two years ago. And it's really the kind of um, spirit and the kind of resilience that I think that people can um, adapt to in, in, in the recent times. Yeah. Hey, Pinsu, you've been um, in elite para sport for over a decade and, and that longevity itself is already, you know, something special in itself. Um, can you tell us, um, you know, some of the ways the local scene has grown uh, and what areas, uh, you know, they can be improved upon still? Um, Mark, you know, feel free to chime in uh, as well yeah. after Pinsu. Um, yeah. Um, when I first started out in 2004, there really wasn't a lot of awareness uh, with regards to parasports in Singapore at all. Um, there were local competitions, the which which were only like you you will only know of them if you were in like an association which would join the competition. But really, to the general public, it wasn't really known. Um, I did see Teresa in the paper once before I started uh, swimming competitively, so. I knew that uh, it was possible, but also I didn't know how, where to start and things like that. But um, over the years, I think the Paralympic movement has really grown across the entire world, um, in Singapore as well. Uh, especially every time after a win and um, the media reports it, people uh, celebrate the win. And, and that's how I think it grows and it grows bigger. And, this year, I think it's really been phenomenal. Um, 
in the in the gloom of um, the pandemic you hear not so happy news every single day i think this has really been a silver lining and um, to see so many people celebrated back home in singapore uh, I, I was crying um, at the, the, the first time i was on the podium and so many people reached out to me and said that they cried along with me uh, and things like that. It really, really touched my heart. So, <laughs> so I think that the movement has really grown. Now people recognize us now. Um, um, Sports Singapore, MCCY um, has always been very supportive. And of course, the SDSC, SNPC has played their part in really growing the movement in Singapore. So... Uh, I think what we, uh, other than the, the, the government, I think also maybe people themselves can play a part in growing this movement, right? It's uh, spreading the word, celebrating the wins and then things like that. And at the end of the day, I think it's just amazing because we are just one big entire Singapore and, and I'm so proud to call Singapore my home. Mark, anything yeah. to add? Yeah, um... You know, I, I I am a a new a newbie, right? <laughs> to to this and uh, you know. Oh wait, sorry, yeah. sorry. Sorry, I'm not done. <laughs> I thought of this. Uh, sure. <laughs> also, like the the difference is that now there are more um clubs accepting like people with disabilities. So there is a a place where we can actually start, and more coaches are getting involved, and a place where we can grow, be it in development or high performance. And I think. This um, base of athletes, this base of coaches, it's extremely important to have, not just in swimming, but across all sports. Because if only um, an infrastructure like this is present, then then the movement can grow more in Singapore. Mm. That's, yes, that's very good, thanks you. Because <laughs> that was exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. Um, you know, I'm, I'm newbie to this, and, and really a gap that I see is the accessibility of such training facility infrastructure as well as capabilities right to, to help you know physically uh, visually and intellectually disabled uh, people in our community and I would like to see more people like Ping Siu, you know step up be in fight uh, it be inspired by what what our parents have done at Tokyo 2020 and maybe campaign for 2024 20, uh, 2024 2028 because you know I think Singapore is primed to do something like this as, as we as we progress as a society and, and we give opportunities to all our people. I think this is really part of the maturation of Singapore and, and I'm very happy to, to see that Ping Siu is, is, is leading the charge on some of this and uh, maybe she can elaborate a little bit more about what, what, what this is. But yeah, you know, the accessibility and the acceptance of, of people and giving them the opportunity, right, is, is key to, to seeing this sector grow. So one of the stories told, I was talking to a lots of friends of yours uh, last week, all athletes, as you know. And so Stephanie Jen was telling me the, the kayaker that it's, <clears throat> she's going to charge you for taking photographs because every time <laughs> they go out with you, people want to take photographs with you and they are the ones who have to, have to click the photograph. So, but I, so I have a two-part question. The first thing is this thing about people stopping you uh, to take photographs with you. Has this grown over the years? Number one. Uh, uh, <laughs> I think Singaporeans are a very shy bunch. So sometimes they ask for photos. Sometimes they just whisper and point. <laughs> but um, I, I don't, I think it's been pretty consistent since maybe 2016. 
and then things like that. It's a uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's nice. <laughs> any any sort of moment that remains with you that something really meaningful, either uh, some just stranger in the public, somebody said something to you which has stayed with you for a long time. Um, I don't think there is one, but honestly, everybody that has given me a word of support, a message of encouragement, like I really, really am so grateful for these kind of people. Uh, even like the recognition that I, I get, it's, it's, at the end of the day, it's phenomenal that um, I, I never imagined uh, myself in this position when I was younger, so to be here today and um, really getting all of this support has been fantastic. All right. And, and that's a wrap uh, for our chat. Uh, thank you so much, Pinsu uh, and Mark, uh, for taking the time again to, to speak to us. Thanks, guys. Thank you. And that wraps up our sports discussion for this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget, you can listen to our ST Sports Talk podcast on your favorite audio apps, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Podcasts. That was an SPH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3.